This past week when I was preparing for the sermon, I had trouble coming up with an illustration. I like to have some kind of intro, some kind of illustration when I preach. But sometimes it's kind of hard. Um, now, depending on the, it depends on the reason it changes, but this week it was hard to tell you why. But when I thought about it, it actually made a lot of sense. So this week we're talking about persecution. Right? And so the reason I couldn't really come up with an illustration is pretty obvious, right? Because of our context, where we live, America, right? Here we still, we can have freedoms we can celebrate, a freedom to worship God, but we don't really face all that much intense persecution. So that was, it was hard for me to come up with an illustration, but it makes sense. So on the one hand, you know, I'm glad and it's a blessing to be able to worship God freely in America, but on the other hand, I'm a little conflicted, right? Because our circumstances might make it easy for us, or maybe even make it easy for us to become complacent. So I wonder how many of us, if our circumstances were to change, how many of us would still be faithful? Right, because in America, we have our freedom to worship, but that's not the case everywhere. Still today, there are Christians who die for their faith. Not here, maybe at some point there has been, but not really here. 2,000 years ago, a whole bunch of Christians died for their faith, so I wonder. Yes, we have freedom we can celebrate, but I wonder how many of us, if our circumstance would change, if, we're, if it were to change, how many of us would still be faithful? Right? So, in Scripture, we have a lot of promises, don't we? Right? We have promises of salvation, promises of deliverance, promises of comfort from God, but we also have a promise of persecution. Matthew 10. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, verses 16 through 22. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. This is Jesus talking. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over its death, and the father and his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So here, when Jesus is talking to them about how they're going to be persecuted, he doesn't say, oh, these things might happen. He says these things are going to happen. See, this is a promise. Right, we celebrate God's promises that benefit us, like uh, physical blessing, salvation. We celebrate those things. That they're really good things, but we're also promised persecution. Now, obviously, some of the things here that he lists, we don't really face those things in America, right? the intense persecution. Maybe there is some uh, light persecution, some mocking, some ridiculing, some hating, but we don't really face the intense stuff. 
Now, here's a weird question for you. It's, it's a little weird, but why should we be persecuted? You might be confused, thinking, why would you ask that? But there's a reason. Why should we be persecuted? Look at Matthew 5, verse 10. Matthew 5, verse 10, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right, so it's pretty straightforward. Why should we be persecuted for righteousness' sake? You're persecuted because you are righteous. Not because you're going out intentionally trying to stir up trouble, but because you're righteous. Now, what is righteousness? Right, We answered this a few weeks ago, didn't we? Righteousness, what's right in the eyes of God, piety, godliness, integrity, or being virtuous. So people who are like that, people who are right in the eyes of God, people who are virtuous, people who are godly, they're being persecuted, and theirs is what? What is promised here? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You can't be a part of the kingdom <coughs> without not being righteous. Now that might be confusing to you. You might be thinking, well, Aaron, I thought we didn't earn our way to heaven. Well, yes, that's right. We don't earn our way to heaven. Remember how we are declared righteous, okay? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, For our sake he made him, that is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So how are we declared righteous? Through Christ. We're declared righteous through Christ, and it's Christ who he cleanses us with his blood, but not only that, he makes us righteous. See, as we know, living as a Christian, being in Christ, it's a lifetime process of being changed. So that's how we are righteous. So when Matthew 5.10 says, blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, it's really saying, blessed are you who are in Christ, Christ who makes you righteous. You're not being persecuted for your own righteousness. You're being persecuted for righteousness that you receive through Christ. So you've got you to ask yourself, you've got to consider, am I willing to endure for righteousness' sake like Jesus, like the apostles? Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians, for instance. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 20. Nine, are you willing to endure? Let's see how Paul was willing. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. Paul says, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, often near death. Now, context. Paul's defending his ministry against false apostles who are in it for themselves, right? We're in it for their own gain, and so Paul is defending his ministry, and so that's why he's talking this way, right? He says, I'm talking like a madman, because he knows he shouldn't be boasting in himself, but guess what? There are people who are in it for their own gain, and so he's combating against those people. So verse 24, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Stoned, not stoned, okay? <laughs> Uh, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, 
the false apostles, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, and hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? Right, so this is the same dude who was stoned, okay? Stoned in Lystra. The city of Lystra, he went there to proclaim the gospel. He was stoned. They thought he was dead. They left him outside the city. And he said, you know what? I'm going to get right back up, and I'm going to go back in that city to proclaim the gospel. Again, that's in Acts 14. And so are we willing to endure that kind of persecution? Or just the occasional name-calling on Facebook? Jesus, he continues in Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verses 11 through 12. <clears throat> Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Notice what that says. Blessed if you are reviled and persecuted on whose account? Christ's account. So for whom are we enduring? Jesus. Christ is our reason. Now pay close attention to verse 12. It says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Your reward is great in heaven. Now notice something. We're not doing this for reward, okay? Right? What was just said, we are enduring this for who? For Christ. See, the reward, it is a byproduct of enduring, but that should not be your reason for enduring. Your reason should be Christ, Christ who suffered for you, and Christ who works in you. Often I see uh, on Facebook and various social media accounts people criticizing Christians like, oh, why would, you're just doing it for a reward, right? The thing is, we shouldn't be doing it for the reward, we should be doing it for someone, and that someone is... Jesus. Now, we've got to reiterate that last half of the verse 12 here. Matthew 5, verse 12, the last half. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Alright, these prophets that we think of in the Old Testament, even John the Baptist, right? They persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, these prophets, I don't know about you, but I kind of looked up to them when I was uh, younger. Right? I looked up to them as in a way, heroes, superheroes, you know? Almost as if they were untouchable. Untouchable. <laughs> 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 like in the BBSs you had when you growing up, right? You, you tell these stories about the, uh, the prophets, the kings. They're amazing, and you're like, wow, I want to be like that person. They're heroes. But the reality is they're all human. They're all sinners. They were only able to prophesy because of God. They were only able to endure because of God. Let's take Elijah as an example. First Kings 19. First Kings 19. 
Elijah might be one of those people, uh, when you were little, you looked at as like a superhero of sorts. But take a look at 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 10. Now the context, I should clarify. Elijah, he just defeated, well, not him, rather God, through Elijah, just defeated the prophets of Baal, or Baal, right? 450 prophets just done, defeated them, right? So now here in 1 Kings 19, surprisingly, I guess maybe not surprisingly, 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 10, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, by this time tomorrow. So essentially, Jezebel, she wants to kill him, okay? Jezebel's out for Elijah's life, verse 3. Then he was afraid, and arose, and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey out into the wilderness, and came and sat under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake of bread on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of uh, of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Right, so after Elijah just having God work through him so mightily, defeating the prophets of Baal, he goes and hides. Right, what gives Elijah? Are you kidding me? You just saw God work through you to bring down fire to defeat the prophets of Baal, and now you're just hiding? Can you imagine that? In the face of a, a miracle from God, knowing what God can do, he hides. And so even Elijah, somebody we view as almost in a, in a hero kind of way, he's heroic, he hides. See, the prophets were human. They were persecuted. They weren't free from harm. Why were they persecuted, though? Why was Elijah persecuted? Because of their profession. Prophets, they proclaimed the will of God. They were persecuted because they proclaimed the will of God. So when Jesus makes a comparison of his audience to the prophets, I think he's telling them, you ought to be like the prophets. Like them in the way that they suffered for God, and like them in the way they suffered for the will of God. Now, I don't want y'all to misunderstand me, okay? I'm not saying that you have to be intensely persecuted to be in Christ, okay? Not everybody is intensely persecuted in their lifetime, right? In our American context, we celebrate a freedom to worship, so the reality is maybe we won't go our whole life without being persecuted. To get into heaven, it's not a prerequisite to be intensely persecuted. But, everybody should be willing. If you are in Christ, 
really want to live this life, then you should be willing to face it. See, I hope on Judgment Day when Christ looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant, you were more than willing to die for me as I died for you. See, in the face of persecution, our biggest motivation has to be him. After all he did, after all he suffered, he has to be our motivation. And now, not only this, I should have clarified this at the beginning of the sermon, but this is the last sermon. Surprise, I'm serious. Surprise. Uh, I should be willing to endure for him, but man, after, after reading all of these Beatitudes, I really, I hope you're blessed. I hope you're blessed not as the world understands it, right? Not, not because you have your physical needs provided. Not because you're not facing any persecution. I hope you're blessed because you're in Christ, and I hope you are blessed as Jesus understands being blessed. I hope you're blessed because you're a part of the kingdom. The Beatitudes really describe and picture what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom. So I hope you're a part of that kingdom. I hope you are blessed. If you're not blessed and you're not a part of the kingdom, you can come now as we stand and sing.